Welcome to 24 Karis. I'm Kelly Johnson, the founder and CEO of Karis by KJE. Uh, we partner with Fortune 500 organizations to experience the power of we, experience the power of diversity, equity, and inclusion, transforming the workplace and the world. We are kicking off another series, um, and I'm super excited to have Jerry Mason Hall here with me today. She's the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and I think Belonging for NetApp. And you're going to love, love um, everything that Jerry has to say. She brings so much experience to the table around this topic. And Jerry, I just want to thank you for your support um, and advocacy over the years. And thank you for your trust um, to invite our team to support you in some of your previous efforts. So thanks for coming on 24 Karis. Thank you. So talking about love, love, I love being here with you and, and really appreciate you, Kelly. Thank you, Jerry. So just to kind of brag on you a little bit more, you know, you entered this field um, really before it was popular. And when we were talking the other day, um, I was like, yeah, I like to think of, you know, we're not new to this. We're true to this. You know, we've been doing this work for a long time. Um, you coming from a legal background originally and evolving to where you are today um, and being a part of some major players in the DEI space, really some of the trailblazers. And so um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about the conversation we're going to have today. And I think we'll talk a little bit about sort of the business side of it, the business case, as we like to say, but then we'll, we'll transition and also cover kind of the leadership development opportunity and how we grow more diverse leaders. So with that, why don't you kick us off and share a little bit about how, you know, what has informed your philosophy and your approach to this work? So as you noted, um, it, it is amazing to reflect back on how long I've been at this work. And I came to it from a legal background. So I specialized in employment and labor law. And in the early 2000s, um, literally 22 years ago, um, that was the emergence of the legal focus in this space. And there were a number of major class action lawsuits. This is where black people in corporate America found their voice and challenged the practices within major corporations. And so that was my, my first foray. I was in a company that also ended up with a class action lawsuit um, right after I joined. I hadn't been there along the way. Um, and, and it was a, a wake up, if you will. And I think there's been these points, we'll talk I'm sure a little bit more about the post-George Floyd awakening, but that, that was really the trend. And then there was an evolution from that legal focus, what grew out of those lawsuits, and they were some hefty settlements, by the way. But in addition to the dollars, there were the change in practices. And so you know, one of my first roles as the chief diversity officer uh, was to execute a consent decree. And those consent decrees contained the better practices. Unfortunately, uh, again, many places came to it from a legal perspective, but these were absolutely documented best practices on how to be better, how to be better corporate citizens. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think what, you know, just like the industry has evolved, you know, how would you say your approach or your ability to see the impact DEI can have on an organization? How has that evolved for you just in your own career? Yeah, so so I mean, just the title alone, as I said, I started as the chief diversity officer. It was all about representation. It was the increased representation. And, you know, as I said, started with, it was black people who said, we're not getting a fair chance. We're not getting an opportunity. And so there should be more of us in the organization, but we're not being hired. We're not being promoted, et cetera. So once we started with that work, increasing the representation, then it became very clear. Yeah, that's a great start. But if you're not creating an inclusive environment, so that's where we started getting the D and the I. And sure enough, my next title was Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. And so we recognize you can't bring people in and then ask them to assimilate or change um, and, and lose their authenticity, the very reason we want to bring those differences into the organization. And so um, from there, it, the, the focus became also, but are we being equitable? right? We don't have to be the same. So that's where you ended up with the DEI. And now, as you noted, my current title uh, reflects the emphasis on belonging. So when you do all of those things together, you have the representation, you're creating the inclusive environment, you have equitable practices and processes, you will in fact have an organization that has a sense of belonging and is inviting. People want to be there. They feel they belong and they can thrive. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that you brought up sort of the, what some might say, the ugly side of diversity representation, the massive class action lawsuits, right? I mean, I'm sure 20 years from now, we'll look back on 2020 um, and, and really the last kind of couple of years with the social justice issues, and I think we will reflect and be able to look back on the progress that we hopefully were able to make from something that was really ugly um, and really tragic. And I think the class action lawsuits from the early 2000s were another like key stake in the ground, right? And you being a part of an organization that took a really negative um, situation an unfortunate situation and turned it around to transform more positively, you know, and, and I equate that to like Tylenol, you know, they had the tampering, you know, the contamination of their, their products, but, and it was bad, you know, it was, it was really bad. People's health was on the line and yet they learned from it, they pivoted it and then became the leader at the forefront of creating safety around, you know, a product that's in almost every single household, probably. So what would you say to organizations who might find themselves in a crisis right now that is related to DEI? What, what would you, how would you encourage them or what advice would you give them? So I, I will have to say, um, refer back to one of my mentors, um, Dr. Rohini Anand, who was the, the first chief diversity officer at Sodexo. Um, did just that. There was a Harvard Business Review article on 
um, exactly the work that she led and initiated. And so um, she has now written a book and I would include those organizations to take note. There is absolutely light at the end of that tunnel, but you have to put the work in. You have to be um, intentional in addressing. It's not a one and done. Uh, there was a top down, bottoms up, inside out strategy. Uh, and, and it was work. We collectively put the work in and, and it took time. But there is absolutely recovery. Um, and especially when it's, it's sincere, that you're not taking the approach that this is just a clean up, a marketing ploy, if you will. Uh, but when you have the sincerity, when you're engaging all levels of the organization, there is absolutely light at the end of that tunnel. Um, and you will see the return on that investment for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have always admired the work of Dr. Rohini. Um, we, I was in the hospitality industry in the early years of her time at Sodexo. And I remember like, you know, I probably had, um, you know, how you have like your celebrity crush. Uh, yes. And so I was in the ladies restroom uh, at a conference and she walks in and I was like all starstruck, like, because I knew, you know, I knew yeah. the work um, that she was leading and doing and um, just the recognition that she and the entire team, the entire organization was really blazing trails and yes. um, it's almost like sort of cutting teeth, but not having a playbook, right? Like literally flying the ship and building it at the same time. So just tremendous work. She, she led that and she wrote the playbook now. And so that's the gift. Yes. Her, her recent book is the gift um, to follow. And, and to be quite honest, I encourage a lot of novices Here's here is let's start here. I'm happy to mentor and develop others, but let's start with this foundation because she's written the playbook. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Done it well, very well, extremely well. So let's talk a little bit about you know it's there's become this trend where investors and shareholders are really starting to pay attention to diversity, equity, inclusion, and the impact of a culture of belonging. What are you seeing that organizations and investors uh, more specifically are really starting to pay attention to from a, from a bottom line impact? Yeah, there, there are absolute uh, statements where they're making very clear that we're looking at the complement of your board. If it's not diverse, do you, if you don't have the, both the gender and ethnic diversity on your board, you know, that there's a check mark right there. These, these are clear, clear um, statements from numerous investing groups. And, and not just that, but there's analysis on a daily basis of the ESG reports. And so this falls within the big S of the ESG, right? And so it, it really is top of mind because they have an appreciation for why this is meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so for those organizations that are doing B2C, you know, working with consumers, consumers are demanding and they will boycott, um, they will reject, they will not buy your products. And even if you're B2B, those who are buying and you're negotiating with 
all of those teams, they want to understand your values. They want to do business with good corporate citizens. So all of these things matter. How are you showing up as an organization? And then of course, there's your workforce. It is a really hard market right now. Um, the war for talent is real. People have so many options. And so you, you know, it absolutely is a candidate's market. Yes. It's like we talk about the housing market. It is a candidate's market right now. And they will challenge. We see it in our in, in our interviewing process. They'll like, well, tell us about your executive team. You know, I've done my research. I see what your board looks like. You know, how many do you have of this, this, and this? And so it's real. And that's where investors are recognizing that if you're not able to attract and retain top talent, how are you going to run your business? How are you going to execute that growth plan in the absence of strong talent? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember really early in my career on the DEI side, you know, because I spent the first half of my career in corporate communications, right? So I kind of, I ca you came into it from a legal perspective. I came in from like a marketing um, in corporate communications perspective. And I remember talking to someone um, at a core in our finance department, and we were talking about the value, the impact of focusing on, at the time it was just diversity, um, but focusing on diversity and where, you know, that there is a line item, I believe, um, that's titled goodwill, right? So what's the value from an organizational perspective? Um, how do you drive value through goodwill? Um, and that diversity, equity, and inclusion can contribute to that very significantly. I even remember at the time we were looking at employee data, employee sentiment, where employees didn't, didn't appreciate our lack of involvement in the community. They felt like we could do more, I mean, just to cut to the chase. And so I remember us getting uh, the report from the engagement survey and employees were like, you're not doing enough in the community. And this was years ago. I mean, this was at least 15 years ago. And we know today's employment market is, uh, that is table stakes, that you are active in the community. And so we, we overhauled our approach and we created some, some efforts, uh, some visible efforts and opportunities for employees to, to participate in the community. And a year later, you know, that, that sentiment what was the lowest indicator on the engagement survey became a top three, right? And so the ability for employees to be engaged and feel good about the place where we spend so much of our lives is, yes. is incredible. And I'm glad that investors are becoming more vocal and more clear about how DEI um, does, does drive value. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. You mentioned table stakes that, um, you know, when we talk about that interest in community, that uh, connection with our communities. In fact, that's one of our values. We care for each other and the communities that we're in. But the um, competitiveness in the market where, you know, candidates are coming in and say, 
Well, do I get time off for volunteerism? Do you support? I'm, these are my issues I am committed to, and I'd like to spend the time volunteering, and I'd like to engage my team in doing the same. And we already do that. Yeah. We absolutely, um, you have the time off. We encourage in teams. I'm based in Washington, D.C., and we support the Capital Area Food Bank, and we go together as a team and, and do that work. And it's also a bonding opportunity. Yeah and you're giving back to the community. But that again has become, that was new, as you mentioned, 10, 15 years ago. Now it's table stakes. It's an absolute expectation. Um, and I'm very proud of the work that we do with our volunteerism. Yeah, that's, it's funny. I didn't know that about the, we care about each other in our community, that being your value, because, you know, at Karis, we say that Karis cares. And even as a boutique firm, you know, we we have scheduled kind of quarterly volunteer outreach, you know, and even as a, a, a boutique smaller team, I mean, it's a part of our culture, part of our values, and it's it's an expectation and, and it's something that we look forward to. So it's absolutely um, a principle or a value that organizations of any size, if you want to take anything away from this conversation that we're about to wrap up, I mean, getting involved in the community and showing that you care about the community and you care about what your employees care about, you don't need a huge budget for that. And anyone can make an impact, any organization can make an impact in that space. So Jerry, this has been great. We're gonna continue the conversation. So everyone stay tuned. Um, Jerry is coming back and we're gonna keep talking about the impact of DEI as well as uh, you'll certainly wanna be a part of our conversation when we talk about growing diverse leaders. Uh, so thank you, Jerry, hang tight and we'll be back in just a moment. And to all of you, I wanna thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of 24 Karis where we provide information, thought leadership, and resources that enable you to experience the power of we and provide you with the tools that you need um, to live a 24-7 commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. 